Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring a fun and sexy guest into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality. Today, I'm super excited. This person's kind of a big deal, okay? A big deal. Hey. <laughs> why does he deal weird? <laughs> You're that Just big of it. a deal that I bailed halfway out of the word deal. Um... <laughs> everybody okay let's see here okay youtuber like big big fucking deal youtuber content creator <laughs> sex and kink educator please welcome to the mic everybody evie lupine hi evie i did my own drum roll um <laughs> does that make it less awkward for you i could hear it i was like yes yes i actually just got my nails done like two days ago but yeah are you gesturing wildly with them are you at that point in the nails not yet. I haven't gotten to that yet. I've actually been trying really hard to like make sure that they don't chip or come off or anything like that. So yeah, the but fumbly yeah. bumbly stage. <laughs> yes, very much. So hi, I'm Evie. I think hi. you got everything there in the intro. I am a YouTuber. I don't think I've ever had anyone introduce me as a big deal before, but I big guess deal. that's part of online online fame is like i go to the grocery store and like no one knows me and i'm kind of just like an average person but then like in very particular spaces everyone's like oh my gosh i know exactly who that is i have like d minus celebrity status i feel like i feel that so hard like i am well known in like the toronto like toronto kink scene i'm well known Mm. and like outside of that nowhere (laughs) nowhere anywhere but like at some parties everyone is coming up to me and I'm like it's just very funny it's funny Mm -hmm. to navigate with partners like new people I'm dating and stuff people are like what's happening I'm like don't it's not I I hate it (laughs) don't worry (laughs) yeah so embarrassed yes it's not really that big of a deal I promise oh my gosh I'm so curious how you navigate that because I've had like every variety of experience with introducing being an internet personality to a like a potential person i've had it be mm, the mm. first question they ask me on a date is what i do for a living and then <sighs> i just have to get it out there <laughs> and sometimes it takes a little while longer and then they're like oh you should have told them they get really upset that they didn't tell them earlier and then they're like i actually don't think i can see you i'm not comfortable with this and they don't oh. see them again so i've had every experience Lordy I feel like. Lou. yeah i think like my most recent experience that just jumps to mind when you say that is like yeah we kind of connected on a dating app and then had like some really great conversation i was really proud of myself i'm not usually really great like with flirting over text and stuff like that but i thought i was like being funny and like getting some good reception and then yeah that thing comes up of like okay what do you do and I was like well I'm um after already talking about the fact that like like the full range of kind of what I do in my personal life but me saying I'm a pro dom me saying I'm a dominatrix um and even trying to undercut it and being like yeah but you know it's like looks very different in my personal life and blah 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 that you know then they google you and then they see that you have a very big internet presence as a dominatrix and they and then they get intimidated and then they're like um yeah maybe this is too much for me and I was like I that sucks how about Mm, you what's your what's your experience with stuff like that uh, I definitely, my experience has been actually kind of weirdly similar to probably what dominatrixes go through. It's like people also get very intimidated that they won't be good enough for me or that like my expectations are too high, especially hmm. if I'm talking to someone that's more dominant inclined themselves or wants to explore BDSM. I've had multiple times now where I've been even talking to somebody pretty long term and then I find out like, a couple months into it they're like oh yeah i'm actually because they told me maybe initially like oh i don't really know if that bdsm stuff is for me and then later on they go well actually i was always really interested in it but i was too intimidated to really tell you because like, you're so experienced you know all this stuff and i'm like mm. i'm not really i don't think anyways more experienced 
than the average BDSM person is. I just happen to love reading and going to classes and I retain information really well. I consider myself more a vessel where like community knowledge is kind of contained and then spread out for the masses rather than being something that I came up with or invented myself. But yeah, I get a lot of people yep. that are very like, oh, I just, you seem really cool, but I just afraid it won't live up to your expectations. And I'm like, I can't even imagine how bad it is for people that like legit have a million followers or have like a hmm. really really big internet presence i feel like again like we talked about sort of the small little niche of the internet knows who we are maybe certain communities Local locally know who we are <laughs> yeah. but it like when you get to be really really big it must be impossible because it's like i like you know i just talk about stuff like i don't expect everyone in my life to be like a perfect you know dominant that doesn't need to learn anything like i like the learning process it's all good but yeah it's a lot of a. Uh, that same vibe of like, oh, I just, I just, it seems like too much for me. And it's like, well, okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate because I also kind of like to put that out there that like, yes, I'm a professional, but that doesn't mean that I know everything. I would never call myself an expert in everything. I'm a big fan of like, we can all learn from each other all the time, mm -hmm. constantly. That's what's happening with like, you know, people that are newer to kink. Like I learn stuff from people who are newer to kink. Now I'm a professional in my field. Like it's just like a big ass Skillshare. Like, yes. Yeah. And I really try to take my prof professional approach. Like, in that sort of a way so I'm just like oh man you just saw dominatrix and were intimidated you didn't actually like you must you mustn't have not like heard me talk about stuff like this and then I go back and I look at my profile and I'm like no I said bottom leaning switch I have that right in my profile mm. and I'm like I can't I be more clearer about my kink orientation than that yeah I wonder if people, because I, I definitely, I know a lot of people like locally here where they, their job is they're a pro dom, but then in their everyday life with their actual relationships, they lean more either just bottoms, they're also submissives and they have a dominant partner, any combination, right? Yeah. Is it just that they think that either you're like not being truthful about being a bottom leaning switch or that you're going to be too toppy or bossy or something because your job is being a dominatrix? Like I have mm -hmm. to wonder like if I could get in their heads, what assumptions are they making? with yeah. that combination of factors. So they just like, they, they erased their minds of anything in your profile and just only saw the Dom photos and what, nope, too much. Yes, yeah, only saw the one serious photo I took of myself because usually I am smiling in my Dom photos too. Mm, uh, but yeah. yeah, I'm thinking it's that thing of like, if the person, you know, is new new to kink, so then they only have the the cultural messaging that's available, you know, in popular media to kind of inform them what a dominatrix is, you know. So mm -hmm. that versus a lifetime full of messaging about kink, you know, if they're not in a kinkster themselves or in the kink scene in any way, or even following kinksters on, you know, socials and stuff like that, then that's literally all they have to draw from. Despite me being like, hey, bottom leaning switch over here and also i'm a pro dom but i'm really playful and um you know not an expert that they can't override you know yeah mm -hmm, exactly <laughs> yeah. but okay evie something really cool um this isn't going to be true when this episode airs but when this episode is recording it's actually asexual awareness week is it not mm -hmm. It is, yes. October 23rd to 29th. We're right smack dab in the middle of it right now. Yeah, baby. And um, I was, you know, I do my little kind of guest research before I, um, especially if I don't know the person, you know, I go out on your socials and all your things. And I'm like, oh, man, you're like specifically making a lot of content that is specifically geared for uh, Asexual Awareness Week, which I appreciate so much. So like, can we talk about maybe some of the stuff that you're putting out there this week? Like... Oh, you know, it's it's funny. I'm actually not personally really doing a whole lot for Asexuality Awareness Week, like in terms of content, just because I've actually I've been out of town to deal with some family stuff. So I have mm. I've just been promoting everyone else's things, more or less. Like <laughs> um, I was on a different podcast. I was on the American Sex podcast and we actually did an yes. episode where we talked about asexuality a little bit and I've just been like retweeting their stuff and I follow a lot of other ace content creators on Twitter especially and on YouTube and just kind of reposting their things but I just hope that like being visible as an ace person and sharing stuff because I do have a sort of interesting intersection where I have people who follow me because I'm ace and they like seeing the ace content and 
kind of learning more about that or they are that thing themselves. And then I get people who follow me for the kink content and the kink education. And I can kind of cross educate between those two groups. And then kinky people get to learn about ace people. Ace people learn more about kink and, you know, kind of maybe get through some misconceptions. And I really like getting to do that. And so I just sort of more just try to exist, I guess. And I'd like to like maybe plan more for next year. But right now it's just sort of like I'm here to answer questions and share some things from cool content creators that I like. And maybe I'll do something on like my I have a Friday night live stream I do on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And maybe for my Friday night live stream, I'll have it be more themed around asexuality and the ace spectrum. And that'll sort of be my my main contribution. But yeah, I try not to stress out myself too much when it comes to like I gotta make content for like the week for the thing that I am because I'm sure there's like you know there's pride month right that always ends up being a big thing and Mm -hmm. just you know I try to more enjoy it myself than try to like a content making machine you know yeah content push during this specific period yeah it's like Mm -hmm. well I'd rather just exist as an ace person and (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah again that thing of like the skillshare thing of like yes there's other Mm -hmm. voices that I really appreciate talking about these topics and I just realized Mm -hmm. actually the one that I was looking at um maybe um, maybe you kind of reposted it or something, but it was actually from last year. And you're right, during Pride Month, you're talking about, uh, it's called Decoding the Five Types of Attraction. I was like, oh, Ooh, I love yes. that. I don't know why that came up first. Is it because you reposted it or because that just randomly came um, up I think for me? it probably randomly was just like there. I didn't repost it or anything, but yeah, I did recently. It was, when was that? It was probably like six, seven months ago. I did a video on the five different types of attraction and kind of that's I feel as if, for people who don't know what that is I feel like that's a really good way of like breaking down sort of like how can you be asexual but then like still date people and it's because mm-hmm. you know for a lot of people who are non-asexual which most people would call uh, allosexual is a term that gets used most people have their attractions kind of all lumped together and they kind of coalesce into one big ball but for a lot of people you kind of have this segmentation of the different ways that you experience attraction and how that can, you know, impact, okay, well, like, I maybe don't feel sexually into this person, but mm-hmm. I might be aesthetically into them or sensually into them or romantically into them. And you go, oh, yeah, you're right. I I really just wanted to be this person's best friend. I was platonically into them, but it wasn't romantic. And especially if you're somebody that, like, um, you know, has a lot of general confusion about their sexual orientation is trying to live in sort of a non-heterosexual way, decoding where those things end up can be a difficult process. Yeah, I imagine because like, um, I imagine f- probably just in general, a lot of people, as you said, they kind of lump everything together. It's just attraction, right? Um, yes. and, mm-hmm. and they don't often like really do that self-awareness those self-awareness steps of like okay like but let's break this down like how do I really feel about this person and is it more this than this and maybe it doesn't have this Mm -hmm. element at all or maybe it's all of like this element basically um so I think that might be a really cool kind of jumping off point to uh introduce maybe if listeners haven't heard much about asexuality broken down in this type of a way um and maybe for ace folks ace on the spectrum folks um or curious folks who just want to hear more about like what what truly is this all about yeah or maybe you've got a partner somebody in your life a friend who came out as being ace and you're like i want to know more about what that is and if that's the case awesome so there's sort of I've seen two different main ways that people break down different types of attraction. And um, sometimes you'll see it broken down as sexual, romantic, physical, emotional, and aesthetic. Okay. And I tend to break it down. <clears throat> Excuse me. The weather here has been terrible. So um, I'm trying to fight off a little bit of bronchitis. Just fair warning if my, if my voice ends up getting kind of croaky. The AQI has been like 300 or something for the past oh, week. No. It feels like it's been awful. Oh, no. Um, sound great. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you. So I tend to break it down more as a sexual, romantic, platonic, sensual, and aesthetic attraction. And so within the ACE community, there's a specific, there's so many terms going on here. There's a specific way that a lot of people break it down called the split attraction model or SAM. And essentially what that means is your attraction is split into different categories. And most of the time for ACE people, the main way that people do this is sexual attraction which they don't typically experience or only experience under very particular circumstances Mm -hmm. and then you have 
romantic attraction as the main one and then a lot of the other ones are, are typically more periphery unless you happen to be somebody who is aromantic and asexual in which case aromantic asexuality ends up on one side and the other types of attraction end up on the other side of the model mm-hmm. and so for a lot of people that are asexual though not all of them you can not really experience sexual attraction but you might feel very romantically connected to people or very platonically connected or you might see someone and go wow their outfit is super cool this happens to me all the time this is like i I see this all i think i've actually done this specifically with some of your like tweets and stuff where you've like shown your outfits i've been like oh wow that's like a really cool outfit that's like a really good example of like yeah yeah just the extent of appreciating how somebody presents themselves Mm. and their their personal expression and then of course with platonic that's wanting to be friends with somebody if you've ever had like a friend crush before because people yes, that aren't yes. ace also experience all these things have ever been like wow that person seems really cool i want to get to know them better i really wish i could be their friend that's what that is and then i find that sensual attraction is the most difficult for hmm. people to separate between all of the other ones so i'll spend a little bit of time on that one yes, sensual please. attraction mm-hmm. sensual attraction is about like and i think what bdsm is actually sort of and i talk about this in the video i think is kind of connected to this where you enjoy like the non-sexual physical interactions with the person like you might really want to hug them if you're into bdsm you might want to tie them up you might want to you know run your hands on their back you're physically connected to them in a way where it's about non-sexual ways of touching and interacting and wanting to be physically close to them in a way that can be bonding that can overlap with romantic attraction it can overlap with aesthetic attraction it can overlap with just any of the other combinations of things right but Mm -hmm. i find that again for a lot of people that aren't ace there's you know romantic is sexual is sensual and all those things get tied up together it can be really difficult to understand how you can maybe want to be physically close to somebody and like well you want to tie them up but you want to you know put rope on them but you you don't want to fuck them and yeah <laughs> like yeah i just think it'd be really cool to like touch their skin and see how their hair smells or whatever and that can yeah. be a little strange but that's well, how it is i love this i actually mm-hmm. interviewed taryn way back in the day, who's an ace educator as well, um, and content creator. And they were, uh, I believe we talked about like a list they wrote for their blog that was like um, a list of like physically, uh, like non-sexual, physically intimate activities you can do with your partner. And it was stuff like Mm. napping together, um, Mm -hmm. showering together, you know, uh, like all, all, like, doing all of these things and it was like really lovely for me um I'm not an ace person um but I have um romantic intimate partnerships that are not sexual so it was very helpful for me um because I I really do have this desire to be physically intimate with this person um but it is a non-sexual um, relationship. So it was very helpful for me because I'm like, oh my God, I love all these. I just ate up this list. Like I was like, yes, I, I do these things with this person and I want to do all the things that are on this list. And it really excited me and was really helpful. <clears throat> so yeah, that sensual, sensual attraction. Yes. And I find with BDSM, this can be a really good way for people that are like, I, I've seen so many stories on like Reddit and Twitter and stuff. They're like, oh my God, I'm a lesbian, but I think I want this guy to be my dom. Does that mean I'm not a lesbian? <laughs> right. Or like gay men that are like, I really, this this dom, I love her aesthetic. Like, and it would be really cool if she flogged me. Am I not gay anymore? And it's yeah. like, because we have such a narrow understanding for everyone of what attraction is supposed to be, you don't get to get into those nuances of, this is you can still be like sexually you can still be a lesbian still be gay but you might want to do things with other people outside of your typical sexual attraction for other reasons and you can and i find that actually this is what's really cool about bdsm is it gives us a way to have different types of intimate connections that are not solely centered on this axis of a single sexual romantic deeply bonded relationship where you're supposed to be together forever and you can explore (laughs) other ways to get your needs met with other people and explore what that means to you without that pressure of it having to be this one very very particular thing you can just go hey like you seem like a really cool person and i would love it if you like ran claws down my back or you spanked me or something and just have that be what it is and not have to worry about all the other 
baggage that can go along with it. Yes, I think this is this can also be very helpful for like this. This really strikes me since I'm not ace, but this really speaks to like uh, the queer part of me that is still kind of Mm -hmm. figuring out what like the textures of my queerness you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. hearing stuff like this is really helpful because it's like well I have people in my life like same-sex people in my life that I'm like not feeling maybe the romantic part of attraction but the sexual perhaps um the sensual definitely um the aesthetic definitely you know what I mean it's just like helping you kind of define that for yourself and it's like you know we all have those feelings of like am I queer enough or am I blank enough you know whatever it is right and it's Mm -hmm. like it's so much more nuanced than that so stuff like this can really help people kind of navigate their blankness you know (laughs) yes yes exactly because it can be like going back to the split attraction model like the way that people will use that is they'll say uh i'm asexual and biromantic or i'm demi-romantic and or or, like demi-romantic and pansexual they'll do different kind of combinations of things to indicate where their different types of attractions are and depending on the person you know, they, and what their primary modes of attraction are, they may kind of say that in different ways. So they may say, I'm asexual and, you know, pansexual or something. I don't really see that that often, but it does happen. But it can be a good way of exploring, you know, outside of this very normative framework of what, you know, your attraction is supposed to be like, air quotes, that it can, it can have those, like you said, like those different textures to it. And you can feel different ways towards different genders or different types of people that you're attracted to. And that doesn't mean, you're not whatever your label is because i find a lot of people get very hung up about like am i have i checked off enough boxes to be allowed to use this particular label and it's like well our labels are just a way that we try to communicate a very complicated internal process and sometimes we're gonna go through and we're gonna check 10 out of 10 boxes and we're gonna be the exact presentation of all this that society expects us to be and sometimes we're like, oh, I got seven and a half out of ten. Like, does that count? <laughs> Is that score. good enough? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, well, yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna change as you get older, as you experience different types of relationships and all of that stuff. So I don't want anyone to like hear this stuff about you know the split attraction model or different types of attraction and feel like this is a new way to generate a box to try and stick yourself into it's more about just having more language available so that way you know if you're on a dating app and you're talking to someone you can put that in your bio and you know especially if you're kind of you know exploring your baby queerness and you're like okay i want to make sure people know i'm you know i'm demisexual and i'm biromantic then we can have a conversation about what that means going into a relationship so there's not any sort of expectations going into it that wouldn't really be accurate to start with. Yeah, in my opinion, always good to preload if if you want, you know, the other person to have some information. Always good to like preload that, you know, mm-hmm. so that uh, they can be like, oh, yes, that works with me. And then, you know, maybe that will create less hiccups uh, as far yes, as that goes exactly. down the line, right? So. Yeah, Mm -hmm. again, like use labels or don't use them as they serve you, as it serves you, right? Some people might, Mm -hmm. you know, because some people have trouble, like that thing of choosing a label and then feeling like you've got to stick to it. Like you said, like, now I got to be in this box, you know what I mean? Can be kind of Mm -hmm. counterproductive for some people's, you know, exploring or changing our fluidity, you know, even though there are labels that work well with fluidity as well but it's Mm -hmm. like you know this can be a way that you can really kind of figure this out for yourself and define some boundaries for yourself if you want to do that and um yeah but let's let's continue with this list or um do you have more to say about sensual attraction since this is a big Um, cool topic yeah i think that's sort of a good place to stop with i could could go on about it forever but i feel like it's sort of maybe an end cap i will note that you know, just if you are someone that is on the BDSM side of things, if you enjoy that, definitely don't overlook the sensuality of it. And like, I find that sometimes people get very like intellectual with their attraction or like their desire to do BDSM and they tend to think about it very logically. And I find that there's a lot of rewarding experiences that can be had by like leaning into the sensual part of things and not be afraid to be in that space of like wanting to just go with where your senses lead you and obviously negotiate all of that but like it can be really rewarding just because a lot of people i find like 
for sensation play. Yes. Um, sort of related in terms of like a tool that people use to sort of explore that sensuality. Like a lot of people look down on that as like, oh, that's for newbies. That's for people who like don't really, not really into BDSM. It's just, you know, something that like, you know, people do when they're too scared to do a real BDSM scene or whatever. Yeah. I would not overlook the opportunity to explore that because you might like find some really interesting little nuggets in there that maybe you do take into other kind of larger, more complicated scenes, or it might be really rewarding all on its own. Because I've had some totally. very rewarding scene experiences where there wasn't any pain, there wasn't any bondage, it wasn't anything too intense. It was just about that physical but non-sexual connection I had with the partner. Even if maybe I was in a relationship with them and we were romantically connected or we were sexually connected in some way, just mm -hmm. having that sensual experience was an entirely different headspace and a different way to play than what I think a lot of people consider to be a traditional BDSM scene or like an intimate experience. Yes, I love that. As someone who like facilitates a lot of pro scenes with like people who are new to kink, um, I love that you said that because that's so true. It's like that's often like something that we recommend as like uh, someone who is kind of exploring and just wanting to try out a bunch of different things perhaps and like they're not really into pain and stuff like that but uh, it's a perfectly valid type of scene and a type of play for a very experienced kinkster to do as well so I appreciate you saying that and I love this parallel between like the sensual attraction you know topic that we're talking about as far as attraction goes and relating it to kink because I relate everything to kink so that is really helpful <laughs> to like draw yeah. that together mm -hmm. I'm like yes that <laughs> Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA. And they have sexy themed events running all the time. Here's just a few as I'm scrolling through their Instagram, which is located at Club M4 Events. We have threesome Fridays. We have a sexy plus size play party. A night revolving around mini skirts. Ooh, and a Bi Pleasure Wednesday night dedicated to all things oral. Well, if that doesn't get you excited enough, you can head on over to their website at clubm4.com to investigate even further. The club is located at 1989A Dundas Street East in Mississauga. You can come by and see what a club made for swingers by swingers is all about. So moving on then, okay, so what's our next um, type of attraction? Okay, I feel like we talked a little bit about like platonic attraction and like wanting to be friends with people. Yes. And I feel like this is another, like again, I can kind of connect this into kink. I think this is a thing that people really overlook because our society very much devalues friendship and our, I kind of mentioned this already, our center of our universe is supposed to be this like one bonded pair romantic sexual relationship where yeah. like your family is organized around it your life is or organized around it and if you can have friends that's nice if you can do this other stuff that's nice as a bonus though and it's not typically treated as being equally important and there's a concept actually i have another video about this because this is kind of a long one it's called queer platonic relationships it's kind of mm -hmm. a mouthful mm -hmm. but essentially what that is is it's a way of having a deeply bonded and committed relationship where the center of it is not a romantic or sexual connection typically though depending on how you define it some people do have queer platonic relationships that are sexual but not romantic but typically it's just about kind of breaking down those boundaries of your relationship framework and your life is supposed to be organized around this one very particular thing it's it's mm. queering the way that relationship models are supposed to work essentially right and so this is a way of having a very bonded relationship where maybe you buy a house together 
you have kids, you adopt pets, you go on vacations together, you go home for each other's family holidays, you do all that kind of maybe more typical stuff that you don't have to, mm. but you don't do that because you're in love and you want to date each other and you want to, you know, kiss each other and do all that. Like, you don't, maybe don't have that romantic connection, but you do have a very, very, very deep friendship. And I think, as I was saying, in our society, we see romantic as being inherently above and superior and more than what a friendship could be. And for a lot of people, especially people that are asexual and aromantic, so they don't really experience attraction from either of those two things, a platonic relationship is like the thing that they want to have. They don't necessarily want to have uh, something that's very sexual. They don't necessarily want to have a relationship that again is very lovey-dovey, but they do want to have something that is very, very close and very intimate hmm. without it being in that traditional romantic sense that a lot of people think of. So the platonic side of things, I think I really just kind of want people to, you know, not deprioritize friendships and meeting people for that purpose because this is kind of going back into the kink thing is a lot of people when they get into the scene for the first time mm -hmm. and they want to go to a munch they want to go to a party what do they do their priority is today i'm gonna meet mr or mrs right and i'm gonna find my forever dom who's gonna collar me and <laughs> give me a slave number and barcode me and do all this stuff right and it's like i'm getting branded tonight yeah, I'm going to get branded tonight. <laughs> I brought the exact brand that I want. I just need to find someone. It's in my purse. It. Yep. It's in just my purse. Right. God. And it's funny because, like, there are people who, even if they don't literally do that thing, they give off the energy. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you have that in Toronto as much as we do here in Portland and Seattle. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that people, and it's like, one, on, like, a practical level, that level of desperation for, like, I got to find this person who's going to be my perfect fit and my match and my soulmate, my forever whatever. And that tends my to drive people away my forever whatever is great yeah whatever little like slave master puppy whatever it is you're looking for yeah. both people inside of the slash either direction switches as well all can do this though i find it happens the most with like male submissive bottom leaning people let's be honest let's be honest uh, but I mean, this is also true, like outside mm -hmm. of I, I, this gives me a very like dating to marry vibe or dating to have yes. kids vibe. Like this is also kind of a wider kind of a concept of like this, like they're not doing it's not person first dating, is it like you're not seeing a person and um, making the connection with that specific person. It's like you're trying to, um, yeah, like get this thing. Um, mm -hmm. there's this goal it's can this person meet all this this checklist perhaps you know what I mean it feels yeah. a little objectifying as someone who's been on the receiving end of this quite often both in my job and in my personal life in this like non-kink way that I'm talking about oh it's it's not a great feeling yeah yeah I think that this is something that happens a lot and like you said actually what you were talking what came to my head is like I was like picturing a Looney Tunes cartoon, you know, where like the characters will like hallucinate something as being something else where like they're starving or something and then they hallucinate like their friend turning into like a big turkey dinner. Like that's what it reminds me of. Like you just, you don't see people as people. You see them as need fulfillment machines and a way yes. to get what you want out of the interaction. Yes. And if you want to have something that's transactional, fine. Like, okay, but you need to be upfront about that's what you want is like you you're not like i'm just doing this for a transaction i want to get what i want yep i'm not necessarily gonna see you as a full person and some people are like okay if you're gonna pay me whatever but if you want like a a full relationship you can't do that if you're just treating people as like i need to find a dom because i need to have a dom and then just kind of like trying to find anyone to shove into that particular hole you have in your life sometimes wow. literally maybe if you're yes. into pegging i don't know like <laughs> that was a very visceral <laughs> statement that was... to shove in whatever particular hole you need it's like yes that is exactly what happens uh. i got half with you that i'm like oh no i think i accidentally made it made a pegging joke i just have to I go with it i hear what i'm saying yeah yeah i just gotta go with it all right so, yeah, so people, they tend to just, you know, see people in this way where they're not seeing them as whole people. And, oh, I've definitely seen that on dating apps, even with vanilla people, where it's yes. like you can tell they are just looking for somebody that they can have kids with. And it's not even really important necessarily 
who the person really is or where they are at in life. It's just like, okay, well, I'm ready for kids. So like, yeah, let's like, can we get this deal sealed? You know, and it's like, they can't really like build a long-term relationship off of that. And so the reason I bring this up in the context of friendship is because people really overlook like just going to a dungeon, going to a bunch of social event, whatever, and doing that just to meet people in general, not, not trying to make a particular relationship happen, not try to find Mr. and Mrs. Perfect, but just to go and like, hey, this is who I am. Here's what I'm into. What are people around here into? Oh, that's cool. And just like having a regular conversation and meeting people and finding and making friends because you can play with friends. You can do all that stuff and friends can introduce you to people that maybe you would be suited to, mm -hmm. which is also sort of like, maybe a less direct way of treating people as needful machines while still kind of doing that same thing. But the point is that friendships are still valuable and important. And I would say in the long term of my time in the BDSM scene, my friendships have been just as, if not more important and fulfilling to me than the romantic relationships that I've had in the BDSM scene. And yeah. just to not discount them, you know? Yeah, and I feel like this is also um, uh, folks who are polyamorous can relate to this as mm -hmm. well, because like, often the goal can be, you know, if you're meeting someone new, it's like, is this new my new partner? Is this a new partner? Is this a new play partner? Like, whatever the thing is. And it's like, well, they can, you can just have friends that you don't fuck. Like, I mean, I'm that's coming from a person that fucks a lot of their friends. But like, it's okay. Maybe I'm talking to myself here. It's okay to not fuck some of your friends too. It's just as like, it can be just as valid and just as great a relationship and connection. Like, to also just have the friend like that's not part of this like sexual attraction category that we're talking about. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't make it mm -hmm. any less um, important to you. You know, it's just like we were saying another mm -hmm. another flavor, another texture. Like we feel differently about different people. So just let it be its own unique connection you know what I mean like I and I I have a, a partner who's very enthusiastic about me about me you know making other connections he's also like oh like just so supportive in that way right so it's often mm -hmm. that thing of like he notices like I've made a new friend who's just like friend <laughs> and he's like "Ooh, are you gonna date this person like are you gonna ask them out and I'm like no I no, I'm not and you know it doesn't have to I don't that's not always the end goal. It doesn't have to always yes. be the end goal. And like, have friends too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a very specific thing that's just happening to me. <laughs> no, I feel like I haven't, really, I haven't any partners that are like that exact way. But I think in general, uh... the sentiment of the poly communities is very funny to me because there's all the books, everything always talks about, oh, you got to get off the relationship escalator. You got to, you know, got and it's like, mm. okay, then explain to me if this is like the main mantra of the poly community is get off the relationship escalator. Mm -hmm. Why is it anytime I go to a poly-centered event, it's just like it's a speed dating event or if it's not a speed dating event, it becomes one because everyone's like, mm. ooh, can I date you? Can I date you? Can I date yes, you? Yes, yes, yes. Can I have sex with you? And it's like it feels like predatory is not the right word, but it feels very... Purpose-driven as opposed to a community-building exercise where we're just poly people relating to other poly people. And mm -hmm. if they find out that you are not on their dateable list, right? Like, because for me, I'm asexual. And for a lot of people that are poly, because I'm also poly, mm -hmm. that kind of like automatically go, ooh, like poly is kind of a facilitator for having sex, which is awesome. Love that if that's your thing. But yep. because that's not my thing, people go, oh, I can't like have sex with you. Then I don't really care. Like right. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the approach rapidly changes that I find that to be uh, maybe not helpful for building long term poly community. That's not based on like enough people interdating each other to be able to like sustain a community because if any of those other relationships fall apart, then suddenly the community falls apart and then it's hard to actually have, you know, a solid basis of something ongoing if everything's only held up by like who can date and who can have sex with each other, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, and that's like, that's a very exclusive, you know, and like, especially if somebody's just like, well, I don't, well, I don't want it then, you know, if it's not, if they can't make a sexual connection with you like that, that can't feel good. And that's not good for the, um, like, longevity of the community either or the inclusivity mm -hmm. of the uh, community either, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I like all this because it's just reminders for people, you know, that, that mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I feel it's very relatable, even though I'm not ace. Um, even though I do kind of actually question whether I might be on the demi spectrum, but um, I don't know. I feel like this is very helpful com- conversation. So mm-hmm. have we been through them? Do we have, we talked about aesthetic, platonic. Well, I mean, sexual is one. Yeah, we probably sexual don't... romantic. I feel like people we kinda... probably know about, but maybe, maybe romantic. We can talk about like, um, maybe from your perspective, like what is the difference if we're trying to like figure out how we feel about a person? You know what I mean? What are the differences between like romantic attraction and some of the others that we were talking about? Mm-hmm. To you, I think that's. I think that's good to do because romantic attraction people definitely like there's some confusion take yes yeah, it's confusing especially because what counts as being romantic is very much individual to each person and like how that right. feels going to be different which is also the same for like all of them really at the end of the day but i yes. find romance is like the most nebulous te- nebulous like between things because it's like you know a romance movie or something right but that might not actually ring true for people go oh, romance movies are nothing like what I want to have out of a relationship. But for me, where I started to realize I had a difference between, you know, sexual attraction and romantic attraction is um, celebrity crushes actually is like a really good example. Okay. Because I would have friends that they would be like, oh my God, like he's so hot. Like when, like, you know, and we were teenagers and so we didn't really have the language necessarily of like, you know, I wanted to like fuck that person. Like we wouldn't talk about it in those terms. But there was this clear undercurrent of like, being into them in this like physical way that I was really not resonating with whereas for me I would more picture like they seem really they seem like a really nice person and I can imagine making breakfast with them or like reading books together (laughs) on the couch and like stuff that to me rings as very romantic experiences where it's not about like the sexual like energy that I have with the person but it's about those like more intimate moments of like a deeper emotional connection where I feel very bonded with them. And it's like, wouldn't it be so cool to have a relationship where I could have something like that? So that's like one of the first things not now looking back on it, though, I did say it at the time is like, oh, that was like very different. And my partners find this very funny because uh, to even today when I like look at people or like they point out somebody that is like to society would like objectively be attractive. They are and I, they are like, is that person, do you think that person's hot? I'm like, I have to kind of like, like, you know, sort of not literally squint my eyes, but sort of think about it like, okay, on like a measure of like what is typically objectively considered attractive by like mainstream society, I think yes, but like, unless I can picture like going on dates with that person or having some kind of other connection with them emotionally, that's like I'm not really attracted to them and that's like the primary thing I think about when I'm reading a dating profile or I meet someone is I think about like okay do we have enough in common are we going to be able to talk about things do we agree on like values are we going to be able to have that emotional component not just the physical and I can also very much aesthetically be into people and appreciate the way that they dress or present themselves but it's not because it's like oh they're so hot I want to like I want to jump on him right now in this alley. And, like, it's hard for me to describe because I don't really know what, like, sexual attraction is like. But I do know that, like, it's different from how other people experience it because I've dated a lot of people that are very, like, traditionally heterosexual men that very much experience sexual attraction, like, in a conventional way. And then when we kind of map on how I experience something versus them, I know it's definitely different. Yeah, I think that's like very interesting. And I love hearing this kind of internal monologue that happens with you when you see a picture of someone and are confronted by are they hot? You know what I mean? I think like, Mm -hmm. I think um, from my perspective, if I'm talking about like, do I feel like sexual attraction to this picture of this person, then maybe my internal narrative narrative might be can I picture fucking them? Can I picture them dominating me? Can I picture Mm. dominating? Like something like that. It's like a scene, you know, it's might be a sexual kink scene or like a power dynamic uh, thing that I 
kind of maybe picture in my head like does something like that jump to mind to me you know what I mean so Mm. that's interesting to hear that it's like these other maybe romantic or platonic or sensual activities that might and and maybe that's a good indicator of like okay let's like sit with this picture for a second and like what is my instinctual kind of image I I have about what this Mm -hmm. could look like or what you know what is it evoking what image is it evoking when I look at this picture and maybe that can help you kind of figure out like just um you know what you're feeling just right off the bat by looking at the picture it's like oh okay that's interesting is it more sensual is it more aesthetic is it more sexual is it more platonic like what but maybe by the imagery that we're kind of immediately Mm -hmm. instinctually getting that's very interesting I like yeah. that. A lot. You have to like it's like Rorschach testing for asexuality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But like, yeah, because I, I I it's hard, right? Like you mentioned the dating app thing, um, which is the point when I kind of question maybe that I'm demisexual because um I'm very interested to hear, you know, if you have more to talk about about that. Because like for me when I see a picture, I'm like, this I don't know how to do this. I can't Mm. swipe on a person by just seeing a picture or multiple pictures even. I'm like, that really, that's something I really struggle with. I'm like, how do I know if I, this person is hot? I haven't met them yet. I don't know Mm. how they move or talk or gesture or smell or like any of these things. Like, I just feel the swiping kind of dating apps where you're supposed to have a picture and are they hot or are they not? I really struggle with that. So I don't know. Is that something that you can kind of talk about in a a bit more just how that works on a date in like dating apps for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be curious because the way that I normally do it is I kind of very briefly look at the photo and then I scroll immediately down to the profile because mm. I tend to use I use mostly OkCupid and Field. Okay, because yes. those two tend to have the most proportion of like text to picture. Whereas like I've been on, I think it was, I tried Bumble. Yeah. And that one is like, there's not much. Picture is the main thing. Yeah, and then you get pictures. a little bit of text. Mm-hmm. And I guess that must work for some people. But like, I just like, I'm like, I want to see like how you talk about things, what you choose to talk about. Then kind of, kind of trying to suss out those values, if they're shared or not what their life priorities are like that matters way more to me than like physical looks and I mean I do care a little bit because I do like the aesthetics of people and so sure, it's like you know yeah. if you're somebody who wears nothing but like you know Carhartt sweatshirts and backwards baseball caps like that's probably like not for me I'm not going to entirely discount it but that's not really what I'm typically into with the way that people dress themselves and they're like personal sense of fashion yeah but like for yeah it's not that it's not important the picture's not important but I'm like mm-hmm. I just feel like I need so much more information like for me sense of yes. humor is massive so I'm like can I see that you're funny in some of mm. in some way right there I'm like okay that's some more very important information for me as far as my attraction you know what I mean it's just like yeah yeah it's just wanting more info I guess yeah yeah exactly and I think as far as the demisexuality part of it goes, I think it's very common for people that are demi to have trouble with dating profiles in the way that asexual people do because it's it's the way that I describe it, and this maybe isn't the best way of describing it, is that like demisexual people are asexual people that at some point can start to experience sexual attraction to a person once they have a bond with somebody. And so the way mm-hmm. I would think about it is like, okay, if you're just regular asexual and you're not demi the way that you look at a person's photo and the way you physically evaluate them won't necessarily change much over time like for me Mm. when I look at a picture of one of my partners like maybe the first time I saw them I might have like thought about like their aesthetic choices or maybe would have thought oh it's like I like glasses glasses are cute like it would have been something like that but when I get to know them better those thoughts maybe go more towards like memories of dates that we had or romantic feelings I have towards them or things like that but it won't necessarily become sexual I won't necessarily change that much in my ability or desire to like imagine 
a sexual scenario happening. Yes. Whereas people that are more demi, they could look at somebody and then it could be a friend or a manager partner, it doesn't matter, somebody they have more of a connection with. And then once you have that connection, then that kind of ability comes online to be able to evaluate things and like, oh yeah, I could totally see having sex with that person or mm -hmm. doing whatever other things we might want to get up to together. And then it's more about that ability coming on versus like not having it at any point in time, if that makes sense. Yes, no, that completely makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. And then, and then is the last topic is, is sexual attraction, right? We got mm -hmm. through them. We did it. Yeah. The, the sexual attraction is, uh, that one I find, it's funny because it's like defining what sexual attraction is, is kind of the core component of understanding what asexuality is, but it's also the hardest thing for ace people especially people that are like really really far in the ace spectrum that are like repulsed by sex and they don't want to have anything to do with it is the hardest to like understand and actually explain yeah and i'm very interested don't get me wrong to hear you specifically talk about sexual attraction from your perspective yeah yeah so for me what i think about and we've kind of already hinted at with some of the other stuff already hmm. is i think about it like when i'm looking at somebody do I have a desire to engage with them sexually? Do I have that like spark that people talk about having where it's like, wow, suddenly I saw them and they were just so hot and like, you know, getting overwhelmed by it or just like just thinking about them in primarily that way. And when, I, when I've heard and, you know, men, women, people of all gender varieties, I think we all sort of experience the way that we approach sexuality differently, or at least can. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of the men in my life that I know, like the sexual attractions first, like they think they think, oh, that person's really hot, I would totally bang them. And then the other things kind of come later, mm -hmm. at least if they're not asexual men, because people of any gender can be asexual, I think disproportionately online a lot of asexuality conversations are represented by women and non binary people, but they're absolutely like, men that are also asexual too mm -hmm. um in which case there tends to be and this is not necessarily my story to to talk about but i know a lot of people that are that are ace and men oftentimes go through periods where because they're not experiencing like traditional masculine approaches to sexuality and either expressing that with other men they're around or feeling it towards women or anyone for that matter they go oh my gosh like am i gay like uh, yeah. or other people tease them and assume they're gay because well I have, why haven't you dated a woman yet why have you lost your virginity yeah. and that is a whole other can of worms when it comes to asexuality and experiencing sexual attraction but for me what i tend to experience is like okay i think in this situation what i'm supposed to be feeling is like that spark of desire and drive to do something with another person and i actually mm -hmm. identify as gray a so i'm like gray asexual which means that i very occasionally experience sexual attraction mm -hmm. and there was one boyfriend i had in college where i very much <laughs> experienced sexual attraction so i have a little bit of a point of reference where it was that very like oh i want to be like with this person <laughs> like i want to i want to do things with it and for me it was very confusing and weird because i hadn't really experienced that before and actually had sort of like avoided that question even coming up because in high school i pretty much dated like very religious boys <laughs> in order to <laughs> avoid like the sexual pressure of like a lot of high school relationships that's so it was like oh yeah yeah it kind of struck me in a very strange way when it did end up happening that's amazing <laughs> mm -hmm. um i love how you're <laughs> i love how you just laughed yourself while you're trying to describe sex it's great <laughs> It's very funny. It's, you're, you're like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Some, it's like, something out of the sex yeah. stuff. You're, yeah. You're asking, you're asking a colorblind person to like to e explain color. what like, yeah, to describe what like red or green looks like, depending on what kind of colorblind they are. Yeah. And like, I was like, I don't know. I think I know. Like, it's like, it's like if you're colorblind and you see grass as red, but you know, it's supposed to be green. You have to think yeah. about, okay. I know that trees are have green leaves usually, except for sometimes in the fall when they actually might be red. Yes. And I know that green is like it's grass and like bushes sometimes. Through other people's lens, you're trying to filter yeah. this like information because it's not through your lens. It's like yeah. <laughs> my lens is opaque. <laughs> or, yes, it's or very... semi-transparent at the very most. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's you know, and it's and it's interesting because at the same time. 
like though I have trouble experiencing and like and understanding and, and way to be able to explain to other people like what sexual attraction is mm-hmm. like I do have sex with a lot of my partners like it, over the course of the time I've, I've dated people like yep. I, I haven't had sex with a lot of them I've had sex with other people I've had I've dated just because of like the romantic attraction because it's really important for other people like because it's important for them like physically to experience that and for me like I'm not repulsed by it it doesn't disgust me it's just like if you're waiting for me to be the initiator, it's probably never going to happen. So like yes. if you got to you got to be the one who's steering the relationship in that direction and be like and I've actually I've had this experience on dates before where people have because I haven't been very forward sexually on a date like in terms of like kissing or like flirtation, mm-hmm. I'm useless at all of that. Probably you <laughs> probably could be assumed. And they go, "Well, do you really like me?" cuz like I wasn't getting that like energy from you like and i was like no i had a great time like i'm thinking about i'm texting my friends be like i had a great date and they were so fun to talk to we we had all the stuff in common and they go well did you really like me and i'm like oh my gosh yes i do like we got look at all the stuff we talked about we had no disagreements we had a great time like the place we went to was awesome it was great and they're like well i just i feel like there was something there that was missing and i'm like the yeah. part that was missing was the fact that I, I'm not planning to, like, bring you back to my apartment or, like, come over to yours. Or if we do, it's going to be because we legit actually want to watch a movie together and not because <laughs> it's, like, a covert operation of trying to do something else, you know? Yes. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. It, that's interesting the way we, like, receive, you know, attraction as well. It's like, what was, you know, well, we didn't talk about the expectations there or like, you know, mm-hmm. how we receive attraction, or how we give attraction and like stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, we, we all have these different defaults, like whether we're ace or whether we're aloe, it's like, we all have these different defaults of like, how we how we express attraction to people on a date, for instance, yes. let's say, you know, and how we interpret a person being attracted to us, right? So it's like, just very nuanced stuff. Like, even if you're not, one of you is ace and one of you isn't, or like, whatever the the mix is going to be, um, you know, on the spectrum of attraction. It's like, even then, it's so, it can be so confusing when you're not laying out that information, which... You know, you can't talk about everything before you go on the first date. Like you literally couldn't if you even if you tried. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it can be hard to like, yeah, to manage and and uh, like manage ac- expectations that way. So I'm curious then if that's like something that might happen. Then what would the conversation be surrounding that after? Like, would it be you trying to affirm that person, like? that you really did like them and like, oh, this is just the way that I express like, you know, attraction or this is the type of attraction I felt to you. How would that kind of look? Um, Well, most of the time what I end up doing is I do reaffirm the personal, you know, like, you know, I totally was into you. Here's everything I felt about you. Like I felt, you know, butterflies in my stomach because I can get those sorts of feelings too. And I think knowing that helps people understand that like there's not really that big of a component that might be missing and maybe it is a really big deal for them I don't want to discount that but I tend to do a lot of assurance over like this is what I was actually feeling this is like I just don't tend to express it in this particular way that maybe you might be used to from like past partners or just like general expectations but I actually we talked I think at the beginning of this about you know dating apps and disclosure and kind of putting it all out there yep I in the whole time I have been on dating apps I think I have found two other asexual people and both of them were like i'm only on here for friends because like there's not really good other way to make friends as adults so you know okay cupid it is yep and then i (laughs) and then i found one demisexual person who was my pole dancing instructor so (laughs) it's a very insular community it's very yeah it's like oh well there we go um so my experience (laughs) the two other ace people i know in my town (laughs) Yeah, we both we both pulled hello, there you are. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like you know, it's like hi, hello. We've already like we're already in the same spaces. It's funny that that's how it works. So I have very rarely met other ace people on dating apps, and I okay. suspect part of the reason why might be they have sort of a similar technique to me is on like on like FetLife for example. Though FetLife is not a dating app, please no. do not use it as such. Yes. I basically just have um, I think it says my age and then like F for female. I don't mm. have an orientation. I don't have a label for like dom subs which i don't use any of that because i just don't like i don't want to have conversations about that i put that all in my profile so people don't make assumptions Mm -hmm. and with dating apps 
I try, I, I think I usually put that I'm like hetero flexible or bi or something. Cause I like, I like dating people regardless of what their gender identity is. I'm not really mm -hmm. like, you know, I only date men or anything else like that. Most of my experience has been with that, but I don't want to like have my dating app only show me like cishet men either. Yes. So I tend to leave that open and I don't tend to put that I'm asexual or something like that. I tend to kind of go about it in a more roundabout way and the what I talk about, like what it is I'm looking for and like what my priorities are and communicate that like I'm not a very sexual person. I probably I don't want to have sex on the first date if that's what you want. I'm not here for hookups. I'm not here for one night stands. Mm -hmm. And that I think tends to help a lot with like I'm very thorough with like reading people's profiles. And I only match with people that I think like seem like they're open enough to understand asexuality mm -hmm. or that that's not going to be a big deal for them either because they're also looking for something that is like primarily more about the emotional rather than like the physical component of the relationship. Or if they do want something physical, it's more like physical and like a Sensual. BDSM way, not or, like a sex way. Or a kink way. way. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah, in a kink way. Yeah, and I think that makes sense that you can like kind of extrapolate that information, you know, from people's bios. Like, is this, like, mm -hmm. where, what is their focus here? Because I think that you're right in that you can really pick that up from a bio if like sex is their focus or not. Like, they all make it pretty known, I feel like, most times. <laughs> yeah, and so I tend to, and so I tend to more kind of have the conversation in person about like, that I'm on the A spectrum, this is what that means. And I try to have that in person because a lot of people do make assumptions about what that entails. Like, oh, they're like disgusted by sex or they're never gonna kiss me or whatever. And I just would rather have yes. that conversation either maybe before a first date over text or something or at the date or like at some point within like the first couple weeks of knowing a person, yep. letting them know what's going on, where they can be an open dialogue as opposed to like reading a profile. And especially because on most of these dating apps, I don't want to say all of them because I haven't been on all of them, but most of them, you can like filter out which like genders or which orientations you don't want to see. And during, there was a period of time where I did have, I think I said I was, I think I said I was asexual in OkCupid for like a pretty long while. And it was very, very hard. Like OkCupid just kept sending me the same profiles over and over again because like, mm so many people had decided they didn't want to match with anyone who was identified as ace that it was very hard to actually meet anyone and then when i changed it and i could have more conversations with people i could go on more dates and have more like successful matches that weren't people just going i don't want to see any ace people ever without any kind of conversation with that at all brutal yeah mm -hmm. i can imagine that being difficult but yeah no that's some really good advice to like advice to get around that because yeah when you do it in person you can provide so much more of a nuanced kind of uh understanding of like what you mean by that because again just like we were saying off the top of the episode it's like you say a word you know you, like dominatrix you know and people mm -hmm. have this idea so you say a word like asexual you know in your bio perhaps and people have this idea of what that is and it's like oh they'll well they're repulsed by sex for instance whatever assumption they're gonna make so the way you're saying yeah that would more give you the opportunity to be like hey this is like the type of ace i am and this is how it feels to me and like mm -hmm. you know it's probably going to be a lot more compatible than like whatever idea of you know asexuality you're going to automatically have in your head before this conversation right and i'm right mm -hmm. in front of you yeah and a lot oh, of Evie. people i mm -hmm. oh go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, unfortunately, we're we're at the end of the hour pretty Ooh, much. But like, okay. yes, I don't want to cut you off, though. So did you have just a closing thought just on that before we plug and do all that good stuff? Yeah. So I think the last thing that I just wanted to add really quickly is yeah. um, I have had good luck with people being open to having a conversation about asexuality. And I found it's like maybe it's not quite 50-50, but there are people who go, sorry, that's not really for me. It's not really what I want in a relationship. And they kind of just decide that they don't want to pursue anything further sure. and i find a lot of people that are just totally open to it and so if you're an ace person listening to this or you think you might be and you're worried about having that conversation because you're worried about getting rejected i have not really had that experience like my me being a youtuber professionally has caused me way more problems in relationships with like getting second <laughs> dates than like me being ace has been so <laughs> as long as you're not a professional internet personality you'll probably be all right you'll do fine <laughs> mm -hmm. i love that yeah 
<laughs> okay, so Evie, yes, let's tell all the people um, uh, where they can find like your YouTube and uh, all your socials. And if you want to tell people about your Patreon, all that good stuff, where can we find and follow you? Yeah, so I am Evie Lupine pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. YouTube is my main platform. I do videos on there twice a week about BDSM, asexuality. I, I've talked about like, you know, pop culture topics as well occasionally. So mm -hmm. that is my main thing where I post a lot of stuff. All my spicy hot takes over on Twitter. And then <laughs> Patreon, I offer a bunch of stuff. I have bonus videos. We have a Discord chat. Uh, I do live streams on there. Also lots of fun stuff, especially if you're kind of more like, questioning things you're like am i kinky am i ace what does that mean what do i do very very supportive community of people all across the experience spectrum on my patreon for that and yeah that's that's pretty much where everyone can find me e-v-i-e-l-u-p-i-n-e -E -E. that's me okay. <laughs> and, it, and it rhymes lovely thank you for that Evie. for myself um where i'm the most active is certainly on twitter at the lady pim one but if you must go on over to instagram you can find me at the lady pim one or at the bedpost podcast also we have a patreon it's the bedpost podcast and then also we have a youtube channel it's also the bedpost podcast uh and i never like to go an episode without thanking the lovely lady who does the all of the original music for the podcast she's stephanie copeland you can find out more about her at stephcopelandmusic.com evie lupine this has been absolutely fabulous thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today yeah of course thank you so much for having me on my absolute pleasure i hope that you enjoyed it as well everyone we'll see you next week with another fun and sexy guest talking about sex and sexuality on the bedpost podcast until then get fucked everybody good bye bye <laughs> This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.